Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian, Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on Series 7, if you can believe it. Uh, This series, I'm so excited. I have some amazing and inspirational guests with wild stories that I can't wait to hear. This series, I chat with athletes that may have had to overcome more than others. This series, I chat with Team Canada's Paralympic athletes. I cannot wait to hear them share their stories as they drop in with me. Thank you so much for dropping in on Episode 60. 60 episodes. I'm so excited. Let me introduce the guest that we will be dropping in with. Now, this guest was on skis at the age of two, growing up close to the mountains in West Vancouver. Downhill Super G slalom and giant slalom would become familiar words and territory for her. There were some wise words from a ski coach who made her feel like it was possible for her to ski race. She joined the Whistler Ski Club at the age of 13. Now, by the age of 15, hold your seats, she'd blown out both knees, both ACLs. Injuries didn't stop her from ski racing. Ski racing led her to qualify to compete for Team Canada at the 2018 Winter Paralympics in Pyeongchang, where she took home not only one, two, but three, or she brought home four medals, gold, silver, and two bronze. Hello. This was quite the year for her as she was also named Female Para Athlete of the Year at the Audi 2018 Ski Racing, Canadian Ski Racing Awards. Also taking home in 2018 the Best Female Athlete at the Canadian Paralympic Sport Awards. But that season came to a halt after a diagnosis of Crohn's disease. Push on three years later, we all know the Paralympics and Olympics are four years apart She had a better understanding of how to deal with the Crohn's disease, and she showed the world that she was still fast on skis. She brought home gold in the Women's Downhill event, as well as silver and bronze in the giant slalom at the 2022 Beijing Paralympics. This daughter, skier, university student, award winner, Team Canada multi-medalist Paralympian, has one of the best smiles. Let me introduce Molly Jepsen. Hi Molly, how are you? Good. How are you? I am good. Isn't it weird to see all your like hear all your accolades as an athlete? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, especially in the middle of summer when I'm a little bit like <laughs> on the other activities these days. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Let me uh, let the guests know where in the world are you today? Yeah, I'm in Whistler at home in Whistler right now. Um, I've been living here for like five years now, so just enjoying. Enjoying the rain that we've had for the last two months. <laughs> I know. You said you were going to go camping last night. I'll note to the listeners that it is June 18th, 2022, and it is currently raining really hard in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. So you didn't go camping, did you? No, I did not. I don't even think it's 10 <laughs> degrees outside right now either. I'm 
<laughs> not about this January thing we got going on. No, that is very Whistler. All right. Are you ready to drop in? I start with 10 rapid fire questions you've never seen before. Our listeners and watchers, viewers know that they're never rapid. So do expand. This is where the listeners and viewers get to know you. So are you ready to drop in? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Number one, do you have a lucky charm? Oh, that's a good question. I actually do. Um, I have a buff that I wear that my mom got me before the 2018 Paralympic Games. And so every race I wear that now. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a lucky charm. Yeah. The team doesn't love it because they want us to be in like our team gear. And then I have this like random buff that I wear that I have to wear. Um, nice. But yeah, it's from my mom. And I love having things on me that are from people I love when I'm racing. So that's so sweet. And how often do you wash it? <laughs> Probably not enough. <laughs> I know that's what I think things. about the the next things that I wear. I'm like, but they're so cozy. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, very cool. Uh, number two, you've traveled the world for ski racing. Do you have a favorite place that you've gone for skiing, and then also for pleasure? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for skiing, definitely Chile. I love South America, and yes. I was super lucky. Uh, my head coach when I was like. 13, 14, 15 years old, he actually ran one of the resorts down um, in Chile called La Parva. And so it kind of felt like a second home. Um, I think I've gone seven or eight years in a row down there now. Um, and I love it. COVID obviously put a little bit of a wrench in that. So it's been a couple of years now, but hopefully going back soon. So yeah, for skiing, definitely Chile. Um, and it's awesome to be on snow in the summer in a winter place. Um, and then not for skiing. That is a good question. <laughs> Um, I love Mexico. <laughs> I love Mexico. Heat. Yeah. Um, I love the heat and I love the ocean. I grew up in West Van, so I like being close to the ocean whenever I can be. So actually, yeah, I just got back from a little holiday in Florida. Just like to be, yeah, by the ocean. <laughs> um, yeah. but definitely Mexico. <laughs> I mean, if anyone looks at your Instagram, you can see that you like to um be in the water as well. Yep. In the water, awesome. outside, in the mountains, anything outside. And I am oh, happy. <laughs> that's so nice. Um, well, the fact that I asked that, so you grew up in West Van, you're now living in Whistler. Would you say that you are a big city or small town kind of gal? Definitely small town. I get yeah. overwhelmed even driving over Lionsgate Bridge down to <laughs> downtown Vancouver these days. So I do I. I'm not about it. I think West Van is small enough. It's like I was in quite a small community growing up. So it was really nice to have that. But definitely not a big city girl. Um, I'm actually moving to Squamish um, on August 1st. And that feels big for me even right now. <laughs> so, I love um, but yeah, I love to see the sky and I love, yeah, love everything about it. So it's a great nice. size here. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Number four. Okay. We all have to work out as athletes. We may not love it. It is what it is. Are you like more of a music blaring cut in the gym or are you like, let me hear my breath and how hard I'm working? No, I am a noise canceling headphones <laughs> gal. <laughs> Just <Okay>. cranked. Absolutely <laughs> cranked. My coach who is in the gym with us, she's always like, has to come like poke me on the back. Be like, hey, um, are you okay? Or like, can we do this set now? And I'm like, absolutely blaring the most gross gnarly music just to I don't want to hear myself breathe I can't hear fair. it totally fair <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing like some some of the skiers like 
lifting heavy weights and the breathing that goes along with it, I'm like, dude, that's like another level. <laughs> yeah. See, if you have your headphones on, then you can't like hear that and like exactly. be embarrassed by the noises coming out of you. <laughs> so, yeah. You're just there. You're focused. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I do when I'm jogging. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. And then I don't yeah. have to hear myself. It's great. Always, um, always <laughs> So smart. So smart. Okay. Number five, do you have a favorite race that you've done throughout your career? That's a good question. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think I have a couple actually. Like I think when I was younger, Whistler Cup was my jam. I loved being able to compete at home with my family and like all of my parents, like friends, parents, volunteers, like it was awesome. Like Whistler Cup was such a highlight of my life. And I loved like spring skiing. I love spring skiing. So that was always in April. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think honestly, the games, like you just work so hard for four years and then you get to go to the games and like compete at the highest level with like your family, like your team just becomes your family after being together for four years. So yeah, all of my best memories probably come from the games and I love, yeah, love that. And you've gone to two. Yeah, two, so which awesome. is crazy to think that that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Time goes by fast, but slow when you reflect on it. You're like, wow, that was a yeah. lot of life. Um, okay, yeah. Num number six, you have so many different disciplines in skiing that you do. If you had to choose, which one would you choose? Yeah. Ooh, I think it changes from year to year a little bit these days, okay. but definitely um, downhill. I'm a speed skier for sure. Um, cool. Grew up a Whistler. I grew up with Jordan Williams and Rob Boyd and all of the, you know, kind of crazy Canuck guys teaching me what speed was all about. So I'm definitely more of a speed skier. Whistler breeds those. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely downhill. <laughs> Oh, you're 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 after my own heart. I love going fast too. So we're gonna have to go on the hill together, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh okay. Number seven, what would you say? And 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 I this might be a little bit biased of an answer from you, but that's okay. Um, in Canada, the best place to ski. That's so hard. Is it? I mean it is. I feel like in the last couple of years, it is. I okay. love Whistler. I absolutely love Whistler, obviously. Yeah. But it's so busy sometimes. Oh, I know. And I know. I'm a university student, and so weekends became my thing. Okay. And it's so busy on the weekends, and that makes okay. it really hard. But definitely, Whistler has my heart. But we train most of the time in Panorama, um, in Invermere, oh, out of Invermere. And I love Pano. Uh, Pano oh. has my heart, too. So, you know, when I'm at home, I love skiing Whistler. It's got the train. It's got the slack country. Um, but small town, small town mountains like Panorama okay, so, kind of have my heart a little. So, um, what time of the season would you be in Panorama? Like preseason and yeah, preseason, preseason and postseason. Okay. Uh, typically, we're there like most of November, and then we yeah. fly to Europe early December, and then sometimes we're able to be there in April. But most of the time, we actually take April off the last right. couple of years. Yeah. Um. But yeah, preseason, and then during COVID, we actually just lived in Pano for like months. And so it became a bit of a second home. We were there for like four months or something because we just couldn't go anywhere else. Yeah, um, and you so wanted to be as safe spot. as possible. You want to be as safe as possible. Yeah, totally. Gosh. So we just went for like six weeks at a time. So we never like went home and risked getting COVID at home. Um, yeah. So yeah, now I have a big soft spot for there. 
Awesome. Okay. So you did touch on Whistler and this is kind of a question I, I ask Whistler kids and Whistler locals. Back in the day, they were two separate entities. You were pretty young, um, maybe not even born yet when that was a thing. And uh, I mean, for me, I have a soft spot for Whistler. If you had to choose, which would you choose as your favorite mountain, Whistler or Blackcomb? That's such a hard question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was a Blackcomb ski school kid. I'd only did oh. for like the first 10 years, 11 years of my life. I was the Blackcomb kid. Yeah, um, yeah. But we always lived in Creekside and we live in Creekside right now. And so now I'm a, I'm a Whistler gal because I don't want to drive anywhere. I want to just get on the Creekside gondola, which I'm lucky enough to be walking distance to. Um, but plot twist after Whistler closed so early this season, I skied nothing but black home for like six weeks and I'm black back to a black home guy. <laughs> I will. I'm black home all over again. I'm back to my roots now. <laughs> I love the flip flop. I totally respect yeah. that. That's a good answer. Yeah. I had um I had snowboarder Robin Van Jin on, and I was like, if you had to choose snowboarding, surfing, or skateboarding, she's like, no, no, I don't choose. I do not choose. And I was like, fair. That's a valid answer. Yeah, it's a hard choice. It's all great. Yeah, it is totally uh, okay. Number nine, you have medals from Pyeongchang and Beijing, and they're very different. Every game's the medals are created in such a fantastic way. Which one's cooler? <laughs> I it's so weird. I actually thought about this the other day because I Did put you? my um, medals from 2018 like in this like nice box, and it's actually yeah. like under my bed for some <laughs> reason. I don't I don't know why it's under my bed, but it's under my bed. And I was like thinking about it. I was like, huh. Which ones do I like better? Like, I just thought about it. I was like, as I was organizing, but I think the history that they've put into um, the ones from 2022, they have like every little like ring on the medal has a different meaning. Um, maybe I didn't learn about my medal enough from 2018. Yeah. Um, there's always history involved with all of the designs, but I think 2022, I just spent a lot of time learning about it. And yeah. so it was really cool, like constellation kind of design on the back about like a space discovery that was made. A really long time ago and so i just think i connected more to the history of 2022 yeah. um but they're both so cool and the ones from 2018 are so incredibly heavy even compared oh. to 2022 um so that's <laughs> something but yeah i think 2022 um are pretty cool <laughs> that's awesome yeah there is so much thought that goes into them i love that mm -hmm. uh number 10 the last one of the rapid fire that is never rapid mm -hmm but we are really getting to know you. If you weren't skiing, what would you be doing? That's a really good question. Um, I grew up as a competitive gymnast, so that was kind of my thing for many, many years. And then actually after I had my first ACL surgery, I had trouble going back to the sport. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't even know. There's what What are you so taking in university? Um, right now, I haven't actually declared a major yet, but um, okay. I go to Quest University in Squamish, and so you actually yeah. come up with the Bachelor of Arts and Science. It's super general. Nice. Um, I'm focusing a lot on kind of everything, mostly mm -hmm. psychology, actually. Um, oh. But I would like to go back into sports, so I'm kind of mm -hmm. setting myself up to go into kinesiology for my um, 
graduate degree. Um, wow. Honestly, probably something outside. I'd probably be pursuing like a guiding certificate of some kind and working for a heli ski company, um, something like that, I think, if I wasn't skiing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I spend most of my weekends backpacking when it's not gross outside um, and biking. And yeah, I don't see the sky just like makes it so easy to do so many different activities. I don't know if I could ever choose. It does. And I think being an athlete, like what we don't realize until we kind of have an injury or have time to reflect is like how many sports we actually do in a day, which is not exactly. like normal. Normal people <laughs> I don't think they do like five sports in a day. No, I keep having to force myself to like take one out of the seven days of the week off. Otherwise, right. I just don't make it to Monday again because I'm just sure. so exhausted. I'm like, totally. okay, I'm going to go lift and then I'm going to go for a hike and then I'm going to go biking and then we should probably go swimming. And I'm like, oh my God, rain it in. <laughs> what else? What else? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for doing the rapid fire. We definitely learned um, that you have a lucky charm. Um, mm -hmm. You're a small town girl. Chile and Mexico are some faves on the list. And uh, we touched. We didn't even touch about in the bio uh, your gymnastics background. And mm -hmm. I also haven't shared with everyone um, what makes you a Paralympian. So yeah, do you want to just share that with everyone a little bit? <laughs> can you see? Yeah. Oh, there we go. So, so for the born, listeners, yeah. just share, yeah, what that is. Yeah. So I was born missing a few fingers on my left hand. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah. I have a thumb, which makes life very nice and easy having a thumb. But other than that, I don't really have any other fingers on the left hand. It kind of looks like a shaka. Like, <laughs> Every time I go surfing or like Shaka, bro, I'm like, nice. Oh, um, but I used to love to tell kids that I had my um, fingers bit off by a donkey. I was also a horse girl growing up. So that was my thing. And I love to traumatize children with that. Um, but yeah, very just born with missing a couple fingers. And so I can't hold um, a ski pole on my left side. So I just mm -hmm. ski with one pole. Um, okay. Yeah, that's kind of it. And that's how you, like, you grew up like that, so you don't really know any different, right? No, not at yeah. all. And honestly, until 2017, until the year I joined the Canadian Paralpine Ski Team, I, like, I skied able body, I skied this, I skied with Wisman Ski Club, I never even went into, like, the para-sport side of things, yeah. um, until right before 2018, I was like, oh, maybe I should try and go to the games. <laughs> um, so it was kind of always a little bit of a... I don't want to say backup option because it's not a backup option. It was always something mm -hmm. that I wanted to pursue, but I was also super focused on even trying to make it to the Olympics. And that was very much in my plans until I um, was a couple ACLs in and realized that was, <laughs> I was having a bit of a hard time. And so I just yeah. refocused a little bit on my priorities and who I was and my values. And yeah, now we're a Paralympian. <laughs> A two-time Paralympian, yeah. multi-medalist. So huge, yeah. huge pat on the back there. So cool. Um, I, you know, I've never been to a Paralympics. And for the people that don't know, the Paralympics are a couple weeks after the mm -hmm. Olympics. And the reason for that is because I know a lot of infrastructure needs to go in to make it um, more accessible. And also mm -hmm. they're smaller um, uh, uh, games then mm -hmm. there's a little less sports. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, there's quite a few less. Yeah. But I feel like Team Canada would still get the vibe of like 
being one cohesive Team Canada team. So can you touch on that? Is there like an athlete lounge that you guys all get to know each other? I mean, you already spoke about how you're a family within skiing. Um, does that mm -hmm. extend at the Paralympics for you? Um, that's a good question, actually. In 2018, it definitely did. Mm -hmm. um, in 2018, everybody was in one village. Um, yeah. We had one home base. Um, which was really fun. You know, you have like, we had a whole entire apartment building that was just Team Canada. And so you have like all of your physio rooms and your Canada house, everything is together and shared. Yeah. Um, and in 2022, this is actually not bec even because of COVID, but all of the villages were in different locations. And so we were actually, the Alpine team, we were actually the only ones in the village. Um, so oh. it was just us which is super weird. It almost felt like a normal World Cup race or a normal World Champs. It was just us. Oh, um, and the only weird. time that we were together as a whole team was actually on our charter flight. Um, oh. So when we flew over to Beijing and when we flew back from Beijing, it was the only time all of us were together. So the cross-country athletes, the para ice hockey, the snowboard, it was the only time we were together, which is crazy. Wow. It was actually really fun to have that. It was very loose. For on the plane sure. on the way back as i'm sure you can imagine i believe um, it again i always say athletes we train hard but we like to party hard too <laughs> yeah oh definitely yeah <laughs> so um that was a little bit weird um i yeah i don't know i didn't love it i didn't love being separate but it also made it so we weren't getting up at three o'clock in the morning to get on a bus to get to the venue um yeah but you know you honestly know. like yeah like our team we've only really been together for like two years like just us because of covid like yeah. i barely see my friends at home i barely see my family even and so like to me it didn't make a difference like we're a team of i think 25 at the games and it's like a two to one staff to athlete ratio and it was just like a big happy family and we were all we had for two years and so it felt pretty normal so i do have a question about the team dynamics do you guys train women and men together we do, yeah. So okay. we travel so and train together. Yeah, and that's different from um, able-bodied like mm -hmm. Olympians. They train separate, right? They do, yeah. So their circuits okay. don't actually line up. Whereas for us, every single competition and race we have is men and women. Um, we are just smaller, and so we're able to actually yeah. do that on the para circuit because we have like way less athletes. Yeah. Um, and it's so much better. I love like my best friends, Mac, Tristan, Alexi, like are all boys. <laughs> so I love that I'm able to be with them. And yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I have Mac lined up for another one too. So spoiler Ooh, alert. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll I'm excited for He's sure. For sure. Um, can you just touch on? I mean, for 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 me and a lot of athletes, I know how hard it is to qualify for an Olympics. So I'm curious. <laughs> how did the qualification work for you? And yeah. also there's different disciplines within skiing, sitting and standing. Can you touch mm -hmm. on that as well? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, within every event, so say there's a giant solemn race, within every giant solemn race, there's three categories for each men and women. And so for men and women, we each have a VI category. So that's visually impaired. Mm -hmm. And so those people ski with a guide and they are in their own results category. And then there's standing. So that's anybody under the sun that's standing, whether it's on okay. one leg or missing two arms, it's anybody standing. And then the yeah. other last category is sitting. So that's sit skis. Um, so usually spinal cord injuries um, and even really high amputations sometimes they're in sit skis. Mm -hmm. um, so there's three separate categories. So I compete in the standing category. That's typically the biggest category. It's the most broad category. Okay. Um, yeah. And so 
honestly coming from an alpine skiing background, um, I was really lucky to have a really, really strong base in ski racing. And yeah. a lot of athletes just grow up through um, like parasport and it's a little bit different. And so mm-hmm. um, for me, the qualification process seemed pretty straightforward and pretty easy. I was really lucky that way. I've, yeah. I don't, I hate I've, being humble is one of the qualities I admire a lot in people, but I was lucky I was fast and I am fast. And so I've never yeah. had too much of an issue with qualifications. Um, especially in Canada, we don't have that many athletes, especially women. Um, so even when I went on injury status, I was able to freeze our, we have a point system and I was able to freeze my points. And as long as my points were low enough, I was basically able to just walk back onto the team once I'd recovered, which I've always been really grateful and lucky to have that. It's like, well, I mean, you are, you, you, you're being too (laughs) modest. You went from like skiing with like, were you BC team? I was training with BC team. You were training yeah. with BC was, team. And then you yeah. just won a bunch of medals at two Olympics. So no big deal. Like, <laughs> none at all. <laughs> just for the listeners and viewers, she's yeah. very humble. <laughs> yeah, that's something. I have a hard time with that. My mom's like, my mom was always like, stop it. <laughs> it's No, that's that's like a total Canadian athlete trait, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, I think so. So, uh, People are like, you went to four Olympics, not really that big of a deal. It's just a lot of life. And like when you actually do break it down and take that time to reflect, you're like, okay, like, yeah, not that many people in the world. You know, you know why? Because we surround ourselves with like minded and like focused people that it's all we know. And then you're like, oh, I can always do better. Yeah. And so I I feel you on that. I've noticed that like, cause I'm in university as well. And I, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not on like an NCAA team. Like I just go to a regular university, which I mm-hmm. love, but talking to lots of people who now like live in Squamish, they're like, what is this place? Like every other person is like a professional athlete. Yeah. In some sense. And I'm like, Oh, I know it's a lot. It's a lot. It like it's, it's so much. It totally is so funny. Um, okay. I do want to quickly um, touch on, you talked about training and panorama. Is there anything like you lift heavy weights? Do you have to like change anything with your hands for your workouts? Um, actually, no. Um, like you no, can just lift me, a barbell, really like, like heavy, heavy. Yeah, actually, I guess a little bit. Like I don't deadlift a huge amount. Like my whole ability isn't very heavy okay um I'm more of a squatter <laughs> that's also okay. just how I'm built too but yeah. actually for deadlifting um and for like RDLs anything hamstring or glute based I actually just like use like uh what would it be called like a I guess like a like a booty band you know yeah. like yeah and I like tie myself to the bar <laughs> okay with like yeah. a stretchy band I find like some people use like full grips and everything but yeah. having like the stretchiness and able ability to just drop really easily okay. with something that's stretchy um yeah. so I just kind of janky probably you not adapt, the best you, well method. you adapt but to we, it right yeah we just okay. lots of chalk tie myself to the bar and yep <laughs> get on with it <laughs> the things yeah, we I, do as athletes people don't really yeah. know <laughs> no and I lots of athletes. I feel like it's a 50 50. Like people either love to work out and they love the off season or they hate it. And I'm definitely yeah. one of the ones that absolutely love the off season and working out. I love the, I love awesome. it. I love the two days, two days of the week or two days a week, two sessions a day. Like I love the yeah. schedule. I love being in the gym. And I think that's just from rehab. 
Like I got so used, like that was my life. And so I got so used to it. Now I love it. So yeah, kind of just make it work. I'm like, if I want to lift heavier, I'll find a way to make it happen usually. Awesome. So cool. And then let's talk about recovery. Um, Are you a cold plunge kind of gal or is there anything specific that you do for recovery? Yeah, I sometimes I'm a cold plunge kind of gal. Hey, I hate it, but I know it's good. I go through like waves definitely where I'm like, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to do it. And then I go through months where I'm like, absolutely freaking not. (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty because I know how so cold it is. Yeah, so bad. Um, um, but for the listeners that don't know, like, how long would you sit in a like ice cold bath to re- help recover? Yeah, uh, I usually aim for like two minutes typically. Yeah, I try and build. So if I'm doing like once, I usually commit to it. I usually end up doing it for like a month, kind of every day, and kind of build through it. And then I try and just go like a little bit longer every day. Um, and I find for recovery that helps more, I feel like with my mental health and my like nervous system regulation than it does with like muscle recovery. Yeah. Um, it's actually something I was studying at school. Um, cool. kind of this like process of the new fads and science and what is working and what is not working and stuff like that. So I found it was good for my, my anxiety and my stress that kind of was associated with getting closer to competition season and stuff. The cold um, plunge helped you in that. Yeah, just like breathing exercises is so much about the breathing. And and so I found it really helped like and having like something you go do at the, during the day, like this thing that I did every day kind of helped yeah. um, have a yeah. schedule for me and help with that anxiety and stress. Um, yes. As for recovery, though, we have like Normatec, like this like machine that like blows yeah, up I on t- your legs and it's like compression and like helps flush the lactic acid. I will spend hours on that and fall asleep in it oh if I that thing's the best <laughs> i had um a marie philippe poulain on and we talked yeah. about that one it's like yeah at the uh, olympics we had it and i was like i just want to purchase one because when you are an athlete yeah. you're working out so hard you're just putting this wear and tear on your body the recovery is sometimes missed and that thing is yeah. a godsend it's so great yeah i think oh. the older you get through athletics the more you realize how important recovery is like the yeah. older I get the more I'm like oh I'm hurting today yeah some time into <laughs> and you're still through. young I gotta, <laughs> yeah I know oh my god I'm, I'm so keep doing lucky. it I'm keep young, doing but... what you're doing I yeah. love it so. um we didn't touch on the Crohn's do you mm-hmm. I did have like just a couple questions can you maybe just first elaborate on what it is for people that may not know Yeah, so Crohn's is an autoimmune disease. It runs in the same family as celiac disease and colitis, ulcerative colitis. Um, It is like genetic, kind of. Um, And so it actually affects from your mouth all the way out. Um, And you can get like ulcers in your stomach. And so for me, I when I first got sick, I was having just really bad stomach pain. It definitely shows up in different ways for different people but mm-hmm. we were in South America and I actually was like oh my body just hates this food I guess um right. and it turns out I was very very sick actually um so um for me I in my small intestine in the attachment between my small and my large intestine I get a really a lot of ulcers and then it makes it a lot of inflammation in my digestive system and then it's hard for food to pass through and to get like blockages and that's what's so painful mm-hmm. um and so yeah, I was diagnosed. I was actually really sick um, at the 2018 games, and I had no idea that that's what it was. Um, yeah. I, again, assumed it was the food, and my body always had a hard time adjusting to new places and new food. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I actually had my first flare up um, in Korea and I was perfect so timing. So good. So, so good. Was this um, before or after you, you raised? Uh, it During. was before. It was oh, before perfect. we even moved into the village. We were like training at this other location called Hawaii oh Resort. And it was really, like two days after we got there. And I was just like dead, like dead, yeah. dead. Yeah. And I think I blocked it out because now I don't even think about it as that bad. But I think it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but then, you. yeah, six months after uh, the games, we went to Chile and it was our first camp back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really sick. Um, and what I've learned over the years is that it's very related to my stress levels. Um, right. I get sick when I'm very, very stressed. And so I didn't learn after the last games, after 2018, how to kind of come down from that. And so I spent the entire summer and into the uh, preseason pushing as if the games were the next day. And I just burned myself into the ground because I didn't didn't really know how to pace myself anymore. You kind of go through mm-hmm. something like the games and you're pushing 150%. And then you don't know how to come back down. Um, and then so I ended up, yeah, being sick. I was in and out of the hospital for three months. Um, had to relearn how to eat, take everything out of my diet. I was sick. I wasn't in remission. I think it was two years, a year, a full year until I was in remission. Okay. Um, and I've been super good since then. Really, really lucky. Um, awesome. Because I'm very, yeah, I'm off medication and in remission and just trying to not be stressed out little ball. And that seems to help. <laughs> I feel you. I um we we have a lot of similarities actually. Mm-hmm. So for me in uh leading up to 2010 I had like this stomach ache. Not many people know this mm-hmm. story. I had a stomach ache and I was like after I'd done competing, I was like, okay, it's, it wasn't butterflies. Um got checked, you know, when you're at the games, there's like all this stuff. I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. it's my appendix. And in 2006 at my first games, I didn't go to the closing ceremonies. So at 2010, my second games, which I thought would be my last, I'm like, I got to go to the closing ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, just take out my appendix. Even if I go in a wheelchair, the closing ceremonies, I'm going like, I'm so <laughs> stubborn. And, uh, they did all these scans and then it's like super crazy at the games when you go to the hospital because they need like super high security. There was like code codes to come and see me. Like my parents could barely come mm-hmm. see me. I had pancreatitis at those. Games. Oh my god! So I feel you. What like very different but similar area, and the pain is yeah. um, something else. And it's your body stress, like. It comes out in every which way. Like even if people Mm -hmm. are just stressed at work, it may come out in like a breakout or something. Like your body just kind of tells you. And I think it's so fascinating and important to listen to your body. So I do appreciate you telling us your story on that. Yeah, it's so important. And I think I think too, like even living in the sea to sky, everyone here is so used to like pushing all Mm -hmm. of the time, like be better, be faster, like do this ride, do that ride, ride with the boys, keep up with the boys and all that stuff. And like, it gets to you. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, it's okay. Like relax, like go to Scandinav, like go to yoga, like it's okay. Like watch a movie, the coffee shop. Yeah. Do nothing for a little bit. (laughs) Totally. I (laughs) highly recommend that. Amazing. Well, Molly, uh, this has been an utter pleasure to have you on. Let everyone know where they can find you online. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. Uh, My handle is Molly. um, It's spelled with an I-E underscore Jepson. Um, And I'm also on Facebook, but mostly just on Instagram these days. I don't have Twitter and I don't don't have TikTok. (laughs) Um, 
not into that quite yet, I don't think. <laughs> so I'm just on Instagram. Um, yeah, you can find me there. And yeah, I try and keep it real there. Post the yeah. real life fun stuff. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for doing that. And thank you so much for dropping in today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. See you, see you on the hills, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much for dropping in today you can find everything you want to know about dropping in with mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com don't forget to subscribe on apple spotify and youtube thanks dj kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice do did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.